Welcome to the Crooked Tail Podcast. This is Kai. And this is Rob. <laughs> I was trying to throw you off. Did it work? Yeah. Hi, welcome to the Crooked Tail Podcast. This is Rob. Oh, oh yeah, that voice. was the voice you used. That'd, That'd be, be weird. weird. Is that a little bit louder? Louder? Welcome to the Crooked Table Podcast. This is Rob. And this is Kai. On this episode, we're going to be talking about why 2015 very well may be the year of nostalgia. So, Kai, what's going on with you? Let's uh, let's do a little bit of catch-up since the last time. It's been a couple episodes since we've had you on. Yes, I think the last one I was on was The Room. And uh, we didn't have a lot of time for catch-up. More let's watch this horrible movie and get through it. Yeah, we hope you guys enjoyed that. That was fun. I think we're going to do more Crooked Commentary. As, as I have labeled it on the site, uh, Crooked Commentary Tracks in the near future. We're talking about a couple different ideas at this point. Nothing nothing set in stone. but I like that. I like that. I don't know if, we, if I realize you called it Crooked Commentary. Yeah. Time. You don't read CrookedTable.com? I do. I, I read everything you post. Okay. I'm mm-hmm. your biggest fan. I hope so. I would like to think that that's the case. I'm not just a big fan. I'm your biggest fan. <laughs> no, big, no fan bigger than you. Not even my mom. No, not even your mom. Because uh, you'll listen to this and she probably won't. Probably. <laughs> but you know what? We can't assume. We can't judge. We just we just go forward. That's right. Janine, if you're listening, I love you. Um, <laughs> so what's, what's new with me? Yeah. What's what's new with you? And uh, yeah. Well, I've been doing my, my business full time, my financial coaching business, and just trying to help people out with saving and budgeting money and acting as a guiding force for their money management skills and tips and tricks and I'm the money guru so if you have any questions about it any questions about money come to me if you don't have questions about money I can still answer those invisible questions and if you you know just want help with uh, wedding budgeting self-employment budgeting first-time home buyer first-time parent I do all that too and I even work with kids and teenagers that need some need some money management tips and tricks there you go that was my promotional boost I was gonna make a comment to that effect but I like how you gave you this, yourself this big promotional boost, but you didn't say the name of the business, the <laughs> website. I thought they knew. How many people are not mind readers? Oh, but I thought everybody knew who I they was. They follow you on Twitter. If they if, if they see the posts for the uh, podcast, they see your Twitter handle on it. But what would you want to share that with the people? Yes. I'm Kai Yanis. I'm, I'm Rob's wife. And uh, my business is The Vault Key LLC. So you can find my Twitter handle at The Vault Key LLC. You can also find me on Facebook, my Facebook business page, and you can find me on LinkedIn, my personal and my business page. There you go. I have been recently went into full-time freelancing, so I'm focusing on my freelance writing business. Uh, you can find that at robertyannisjr.com. Um, doing a lot of writing for some other sites, including screenrant.com. Great site over there for movie and television news. Other than that, we've been watching a bunch of stuff. Yeah. I think, um, well, we'll talk about the current box office champ in, in a little bit, but we all, we, uh, a few weeks ago, we did see Tomorrowland. Yeah. And, uh, how did you feel about that one? Um, I feel like it was really, really good and interesting in the beginning. And I thought that the Tomorrowland that they introduced was pretty incredible. But by the end of it, I didn't really know what I was watching anymore. And I felt like it lost its way. And yes, that might sound similar to your Tomorrowland review on your website, but you know, I saw the movie with you, and we talked about it afterwards, and that's that's kind of how I feel about it. And um, 
I think that George Clooney and that actress, Britt Rob Brit Robertson. Britt Robertson. I think they had, I think they had good chemistry, and I think they tried to, you know, make it fun. And the thing is, it's like a kid. It's sold as a kids movie, but I think it's it's a certain age group. Like it should be PG thirteen because it was a little high, high level concepts for anyone younger than ten. So you think it should be rated higher, not because of the content, not because of like that's oh it's too adult for kids or something, but because they wouldn't even get it, so it's kind of they're wasting their time. Right. Yeah. Okay, I could see that. I mean, but then again, but then again, but, TV rate, movie ratings are really only created for things like violence, sex, language, right. drug use. Exactly. Nothing. There's nothing said about it about high concepts, you know. So it actually, in a way, that's good. In a way, that's good if they're high concepts because it lets the children think about those things in more detail. And maybe they won't get it till they're older, or maybe they'll have to ask their parents. But yeah, maybe that's good to introduce them at a young age. Yeah, and I feel like, I mean, honestly, though. Tomorrowland is rated PG, and something like Interstellar is rated PG-13. I don't really see, as far as, like, the content-wise, I mean, I don't think Interstellar is really more ex ex extreme. Like, I don't really think it has any more violence or profanity or anything than, than in Tomorrowland does, does it? Um, No, I mean, I don't think Tomorrowland really had violence in at all. Well, it had some action, like, with the, you know, the robots and all that. Yeah, but it wasn't really, there wasn't much violence. In Interstellar, I mean, in case you all have, in case a lot of people have seen it already, and Matt Damon got kind of physical with, with Matthew McConaughey's character. Yeah, I know, but that was like a fist fight type of deal. Well, it's violence, right? Yeah, I don't know. I feel like I feel like Interstellar was sort of rated PG-13 for for content. Yeah. I, I think that's sort of my point uh, in mentioning that at all. And Tomorrowland did. I mean, we even both. I think we both said it when we came out of the theater. Tomorrowland was very much sort of an Interstellar like junior, like an Interstellar for kids, in that. It had it was very ambitious and it, and it had a lot of big ideas that weren't really uh, weren't really executed in the best way. And uh, you go with more description on that. Well, I don't know. I don't know how much how spoilery <laughs> we want to get with things, but like it had a lot of good ideas about wanting to change the world and wanting to make the world a better place. And as far as keeping imagination alive and and following your dreams and being optimistic and. And sort of flying in the face of the whole post-apocalyptic thing that everybody seems to be on with Hunger Games and Walking Dead and, you know, Mad Max and all that other stuff. So, I do think that was a really creative spin for them to, I, to, to go that angle. I think they didn't do enough with it was my point, though, too. I, I think they didn't do enough with that idea. It was sort of casually mentioned in the third act. And uh, I feel like Tomorrowland itself was built up to be this wondrous, wonderful place. But then when you finally get there... That was where I started to tune out, honestly. There's this big set piece, um, and not to get into too much detail, involving the Eiffel Tower. And I feel like that scene and what came after it, that, that scene was sort of the turning point for me, where thereafter I was sort of like, oh, man, this is what we're in for now. I was enjoying all that buildup before with Britt Robertson coming together with George Clooney and, and the, the, the young girl character played by Rafi Cassidy. I thought she was actually the standout of the movie. In a lot of ways, and, and probably most uh, the most interesting character. Yes, yes, I would agree with that. So, but it's you know it's unfortunate because it's not a perfect movie, but it had a lot of ambition behind it, and I am a big fan of Brad Bird and The Incredibles and Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol and all that. And it looks like, based on reports, it looks like Disney's going to be taking a 140 million dollar loss on Tomorrowland. So it's a tremendous flop. What was the budget? 
I, I don't know exactly what it was, but it was probably pretty high. Like two hundred million, something like that. One hundred fifty something. I mean, even Mad Max just cost one hundred fifty, and that was mostly practical effects. So this one, and this one was very heavy on CGI. So that's really, yeah, that's quite a shame. It's 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 really sad because it is sort of an original concept. And you were really looking forward to it too. Yeah, I was. It, it was sort of it's sort of an original concept, even though it's technically named after the theme park attraction. But I mean, it it only. I feel like it only tangentially sort of ties to that. Like, by by original kind, like, a lot of people are sort of like, well, it's not really original, but it's, it is. I mean, it's not a sequel. It's not a reboot. It's an original concept that's the story has never been told. Even if you take something like, when you take something like Transformers and you put it to, to theaters, even the first one, it's not necessarily an original concept because it's based on characters that are, exist, storylines that exist, that kind of thing. Tomorrowland is all they were doing was taking the name and like the thematic thrust of the theme park attraction and sort of creating a story inspired by that. Well, what, weren't you saying something though about how you were really surprised that they didn't mention anything about Walt Disney? Well, I mean, they had they had uh, the World's Fair in the beginning, and it's a small world with sort of the spoilers. <laughs> the entrance into Tomorrowland was, was sort of through the small world, right? Uh, but after that, I mean, they never they they sort of imply that there's this secret society of like genius and like creative minded people trying Which reminds to reminds me of Atlas Shrugged. I, I guess. by Anne Rand. You guys should check it out if you haven't read it. It's a pretty incredible uh, I, story. I haven't read it. Um but, but <laughs> you're the first person I'm talking about. <laughs> but they uh but they never mention Walt Disney by name. They never explicitly state that he was part of that group. I think it's sort of, I guess it's sort of implied or left open that he was. Well he loved the whole idea of Tomorrowland. I mean that's why Epcot was created. Right. Was because that well, was that's his a magic, vision. Tomorrowland is a Magic Kingdom, though. It is, but Epcot was the... Sort like, of built off of that? Right. Oh, because Epcot is sort of... Because it's futuristic. That Spaceship Earth vision. that spaceship Earth ride. The right. big globe that everybody knows. Right, and he, I think he passed away right before that, that theme park opened. That ride was cool, actually. I like that. They still that. have it. They haven't messed with it that much? No, they've updated it. A lot, or like... Oh, just modernized it. it was okay, good. Like really 80s and early 20s. Oh well, yeah. In the early 2000s, but now it's it's they turned <laughs> into train. It was really 80s in the or in the in the early 20s. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, so that was Tomorrowland, and then uh, we've recently been what have we been recently watching at home? Um, we've been watching Full House, My Choice, and Buffy. So I'm really excited because Fuller House. Is I think it's going to premiere on Netflix next year. And as a Full House fan, it's one of my favorite shows growing up. And now I am really excited, and I can't wait to to watch it. And I'm not I'm not a big TV person. I, there's really no TV shows that I go out of my way to watch on like a weekly or monthly basis. But this one I'm going to tune in for, and maybe even binge watch because it's nostalgia. See, it's nostalgia. See how that works. Yep. Ties back in around. Did you hear? Actually, I didn't even mention this to you. I actually heard today that uh, um, John Stamos was in like DUI and like yeah. arrested or something. Did yeah, you hear about I, that? I think it hurt, happened on Sunday. I mean, this was pretty recently. Pretty recent. I just heard it today. I don't know when it happened. Yeah, it was, or maybe it was yesterday morning. I know it was pretty recent. It was all over my Facebook. I hope that doesn't week. delay anything. Like, I hope he doesn't have to deal with like charges and, and stuff. Well, first of all, he's a famous actor in California. They've all had. I mean, you haven't. You haven't like. You're not part of that community unless you've had a DUI, I guess. Yes, and their jails are too full. It's true. So who probably just gets sent on sit out on the street in an hour? 
<laughs> so if we see him, if we see him on uh, on Full House with like a metal like an ankle bracelet on or something, we'll be like, oh, there's yep, yeah, it's crossing over. Yeah, that has to, I think that's pretty severe for DUI charge. In fact, I don't even I know. know what his limit was, but I'd like to think since it's Uncle Jesse that it wasn't very high. Like maybe it was point oh nine. I'd like to think that the officer pulled him over and was like, "Can I see regi- uh, uh, license and registration?" And he's like, "Have mercy." <laughs> with his hands up like have mercy. Um, probably not though, but that would be funny. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, and Buffy, how how are you liking Buffy? Uh, for you guys don't know obviously, but um, Kai never got a chance to finish Buffy. She used to watch it when it was on TV. Um, now I'm speaking for you. It was, you, you can step out of the room. Um, uh, the first three seasons, so we were sort of brushing up on the first three, and then we're gonna kind of take it from there. So what have you been? How's this wrapped up and kind of re um, refreshing your 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 memory of the show. Oh, it's been fun. Um, actually, for um, some of the episodes you've been showing me from season one and season two, I think some of them, like, definitely one of them I hadn't even seen before. Which yeah. one was that? The, uh, the it, Halloween one? No, the one where, um, oh my gosh, it was like the one where, in, I, I don't remember, but it was one Wait, of the Wait, give ones. me one. You gotta give me a description. I'll, I'll know what you're talking about based on that. Oh, the, har- oh, maybe something involving the harvest. Oh, that was the first episode. That was no, the, no, that, no, oh, no, the, the next, harvest was the was the pilot. No, the next one is what we watched, not the harvest one. But well, the harvest was the the, whole, the harvest slash. Well, oh, the one where she killed the master. Oh, the season finale. Yes, of season the season. One. Yes, the season okay. finale. I, which in fact, now that I think about it, I think I didn't watch it back then, and I think I even remember that, and um, I made sure that I tuned into the the second season. Right. But yeah, I did see the Halloween episode. Well, season two is where it really, where it really popped off with Angel's, you know, Angel's whole storyline going bad and all that. Uh, and they brought my boy Spike onto it. So, um, so yeah. But oh, that's yeah, been, that's been fun. And I mean, we've only watched a few episodes. Because um, really how it works is we watch two episodes of Full House, because that's 40 minutes. And then we'll watch one episode of Buffy. So clearly we can get through more episodes of Full House than we are getting through Buffy. And then my plan is to show her a Daredevil season one once we get past all that. So he thinks. And yeah, we'll see. And and uh, you guys who've been listening to the podcast, you know how much Freddie and I love Daredevil. So, um, so yeah, that, that's you'll. I think you'll enjoy it if you if you watch it with her. Did you like the Daredevil movie? I liked it okay. I liked it with like the longer version. Right. Because it does it does seem like it flows better. Well, the show, more sense. the show is essentially that story, but actually like really good and not sort of mediocre. Oh, okay. And, so a, lot, and a lot of what, not yet, Bullseye will be season two, but Kingpin and, and Daredevil. And then I think season two, they're supposed to bring in um, Elektra and probably Bullseye. There were rumors recently about Jason Statham doing it, but it sounds like that's not going to happen probably, but they're bringing the Punisher. In Jason two. Statham does everything. Yeah, he really does do everything. He's the only he's the only actor that is an expendable and also in the Fast and Furious movies. I know, but who doesn't love Jason Statham? And the guy from Crank, and he's Transporter, and yeah, well, was he, he was Transporter. Yeah, and Lockstock and uh, what is that? Two smoking, smoking barrels. barrels. Wasn't that his first movie? I think those those were like some of his those are like some of his breakthrough movies before you know before Transporter and all that kind of happened. Yeah, yeah, he's a badass for sure. Yeah, he's cool. So. And then the other the other thing we've been watching at home that you didn't mention is the Star Wars saga. Oh yes, that's right. So what was your experience with those beforehand? Um, and, what I, is, and how are you how are you enjoying them so far or not? We for such as you guys know, we started with episode one and we finished episode two 
last night. So we're sort of going chronologically through the saga because we've never seen them together and, you know, to prepare for The Force Awakens at the end of the year. Um, so my experience with Star Wars is clearly I heard a lot about it growing up. And when I was 13 years old, before the re-release in 97, um, my mom's boyfriend at the time had the Star Wars VHS. And actually, now that I think about it, maybe it was my mom's copy. So I saw them recently. And so I watched episode four through six. At that time, those were the only three Star Wars movies that were, we were, knew were gonna, that we knew that were out. So I watched them and I think I was just bored pretty much the whole time. And I barely remember the story. I remember the Ewoks. I'd heard about the Jabba the Hutt and Princess Leia scene. And maybe I heard about that because of Friends. Because of a Friends episode. Oh, yeah. The gold bikini, the Leia fantasy thing. Yeah. The gold bikini and all that. Yeah, I think that had just, yeah, I think that had, uh, that episode had just aired or something like that during that time. So I watched that. And then in 2005, when Revenge of the Sith came out, I just watched that in the movie theater. And I thought it was good. It, um, I enjoyed it. I'm just not a, not a big fantasy person and I'm analytical by nature, so it's hard for me to separate reality from fantasy, but that I make, try that, to, You realize that makes you sound like a crazy person, right? Why? It's hard for me to separate fantasy from reality. Oh. <laughs> I'm talking about fantasy movies. Oh, okay, okay. I, mean, I, like I, read, like, a little nervous. I like to read are fiction, not science fiction, not, not even romantic fiction. I like just fiction, you know? historical fiction, some nonfiction like business business books, money books. So but fantasy, like I even C. S. Lewis, the Madeline lady, Madeline Engel, I didn't I tried to read those when I was younger. Wrink, uh, Wrinkle in Time. Oh those are, oh I didn't I didn't realize, I didn't remember the, the author's I just name. couldn't get into it. And I just have been like that. I like that. Life. I like that as a kid. See I feel like fantasy I feel like I don't know yeah, I don't know what that's about. Well, you've seen now the Harry Potters, the Lord of the Rings, and the three Hobbit movies. So, I mean, are you not enjoying any of them? Or are you sort of, like, yeah, I somewhat? Mean, and, like, I mean... Yeah, and I, not, not to say that I don't enjoy any of these films. But it's just, a little but it's a little hard for you to, to accept, okay, they could do that because of the Force or because of magic or whatever. Right, and you know me. I'm sitting there watching these and like, uh-huh, okay, yeah, this is really... And by, I'm trying to take away my disbelief and know that this is a story and that... A lot of, you know, these stories are also beloved by people. Right. And, you know, I haven't read Lord of the Rings. I haven't read Harry Potter. I haven't read any Star Wars books. screenplays. Right. Right. You know, you're going with that. So, but I know that the, those stories are just so loved. And I think it's interesting that sometimes the most beloved stories are the fantasy ones. Right. Because Star Wars, could some some people would think it's more science fiction, too. But I guess it's, I it's a combination. It, Star Wars is a combination. That's what makes that's what made it unique when it first came out. Because it, it's as much like you know they have spaceships, but they also have like the Force, which is essentially their version of magic, sort of. Um, so they're, they're like space wizards, you know. They're like space wizards, basically. It's just a perfect combination of the two genres. But and they but they have aliens. Yeah, exactly. So and thus far, I mean, now you've seen the whole saga, but I feel like. Four, five, and six are by far more acclaimed. I mean, as you know, um, so I feel like you'll appreciate them more as an adult now than you did as a thirteen-year-old. Because I was sort of like I saw them. I, my my parents actually did something similar when it was announced that the special editions were coming out. We went to the video store and we rented all three. And yeah, video stores. Remember those guys? 
um, when we did the video store, we rented all three, like the old, like grimy original versions. And um, I think we watched them in a rather relatively short period, like a few days. I think it was one of those like you rent them because they were the older movies. So I think you would get it for, for like five days or something, three days, whatever. And I and I liked them all right, but it wasn't until I saw them on the big screen, all three of them in '97, that that I really like. Okay, this is kind of awesome. And that's where the obsession really began for me, because I had that that big screen movie going experience. But my initial viewing, I was like, okay, I get it, but I never was never really into it until my mid-teens. So, um, no, I, I'd be interested. I'm interested to see how you'll like them as we continue along. The two that you've done are now are by far the weakest, as you've seen, with a lot of the uh, a lot of the Anakin Padme stuff and all that, Jar Jar Binks, etc. Um, so, so that'll be continuing on. Well, one interesting thing about Star Wars, though, is that, I mean, this is a this is a story that's gone on for 50 years, and it's it's like it's like Robin Williams, you know. Robin Williams was a part of our parents' generation. It's part of our generation. It's part of other people's kids' generations now. And I feel like Star Wars is the same way, you know. Like our parents were watching Star Wars in the movie theater. Well, maybe my parents weren't. They were hippies. <laughs> they were watching Star Wars in the movie theater, and then the re-release comes out when we're kids, when we're teenagers. It's a perfect time to prime people for Xanon Menace two years later, too. Right. Which was the idea, I'm sure. Right, and so we that came out, re-released, and Phantom Menace came out when we were teenagers, and so it kind of sparked this love. Yeah, we were in high age. school. Yeah, well, yeah, well, yeah, I think, yeah, we had just, we were freshmen when the release happened, and then now, oh, and then, yeah, and then now, The Force Awakens, now for the young children. So now uh, our generation's kids are going to be introduced to Star Wars the first time with The Force Awakens in theaters. I mean, that's pretty... That's crazy, right? That's pretty incredible. And, I mean, I'm not not the biggest Star Wars person. I'm working probably, on it. Yeah, and I probably won't be after everything is <laughs> said and done. But I can definitely respect that and, you know, admire the ferocity for for this trilogy. Saga. The saga, right. It's the Star Wars saga. Right. Because... That's that's hard to beat. That's sort of how I feel about James Bond, like how you're how you how you're talking about it, and you're like, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of it, but I respect what it's accomplished and all the people out there that love it. Like I really like James Bond, and I, I and I enjoy, it's you know, I enjoy. I've seen a few of the old ones, and I like, I really like the Daniel Craig movies, and I'm looking forward to Spectre, just like everybody else. But I'm not like counting, like marking the days on my calendar down. Like, oh, well, Spectre's coming out in November, whatever. That's what you're doing for Star Wars. That's what I'm doing for Star Wars. That's what I did for Avengers. That's those are certain. There's certain ones I'm doing that for. And so I don't have that same love for James Bond that some people do. But again, that I, I still have a sort of reverence for, like, okay, you know, you you've been James Bond's been around since the early '60s. So it even it, it's kind of the original like long-standing. That's franchise. our grandparents' movie. Exactly. Yeah. Like when our kids, when our parents were in elementary school, is when James Bond was hitting the scene. That's crazy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. When I think about it, that's pretty amazing too. Did I just have sixty years? Yeah, a few years like uh, when Skyfall came out, I think twenty twelve. Yeah, and they had a big thing at the Oscars. Yeah, that's craziness. So. Okay. Wow. We're, we're covering like already two two movies. Nostalgia's going along here. Yeah. Um. So we're gonna go ahead and talk about what everybody else is talking about. Jurassic World. There you go. We saw it Thursday night um, at the at the premiere, and well, not the premiere. Well, premiere night. The preview screening. Yeah, preview screening. You make it sound like we were at the red carpet. What did that be? Why? What? Why can't people fantasize about that? But, but I don't want to lie to the people. I'm keeping it real, people. 
It's not lying. It's it's insinuating. She already said she can't tell fantasy from reality, so there you go. So what did you think about Jurassic World and what is your what's your you know, what was your relationship to the Jurassic Park franchise going in? Well, um, I saw Jurassic Park in the movie theater when I was ten years old and it was actually the first film that I saw when I moved back to Florida from Missouri. I saw me and my sister saw it with my dad. And I thought it was cool. I'm like, oh cool dinosaurs. And it actually made me interested in reading the Jurassic Park book by Michael Crichton and I did not finish it. I could not get through it. I might still have it somewhere. I wonder. I might have gotten rid of it. I don't know. Which is so funny because if I had read that book now, I think I probably would like it because I love Michael Crichton. I think he's an amazing author. And uh, but I think that Jurassic Park, I was just too young for it. But from what I know, it's from what you told me, it's basically the dinosaurs. But that's it. That's the only thing that's similar. The book? I mean, there's characters that are, there's similar characters, but the storyline goes off totally different direction. But, um... So that was my experience with Jurassic Park. I didn't see Lost World. I didn't see Jurassic Park 3. Mm. And so at Jurassic, Jurassic World, well, I saw Lost World before we saw Jurassic World. Yeah, like last week, though. Like right, right, like right before, pretty much. Basically because I was like, we have to, Jurassic World's coming out. And that was a good time to watch The Lost World. And you were like, okay. Yeah, and, you know, it, was I really missing anything? I, I think the last it, 15 years? Um, I think, well, I think, it's, well, are you are you done with your perspective on the franchise? Oh part? no, I know. Um, so Jurassic World. Because I'll get into that. Jurassic World actually was really good. I was. Um, no, no, I, no, no. Your perspective on the franchise before. Oh. That's all I'm asking now. Oh, I was just like, okay, you know, maybe I'm, I'm just. I guess I'm not a person that got moved by movies either then or now. But um, yeah, I mean, I thought it was an interesting idea. Dinosaurs are cool, and I think that it's it's in something that's interesting. For all of us. Like, I think a lot of us are interested in space, just like a lot of us are interested in dinosaurs, because it's something that we, none of us have really ever experienced, so we have to live through stories and science, science, and to just, to have those things be as close to reality as we can, we can get. Well said. Well, my relationship with um, the Jurassic Park franchise, I loved the first one. I saw it in theaters on my 10th birthday. Um, and I was, I mean, I had a book about the dinosaurs of Jurassic Park, talking about all the different species and describing them and what they were like and all that and how they lived. And, uh, as a child, read both Jurassic Park and The Lost World in middle school, a couple years later when Lost World came, well, a few years later when Lost World came out. So I was huge into Jurassic Park and I've watched it a bazillion times on VHS. Uh, and also saw Lost World when that hit theaters and I love that. A lot too. At the time, I when we rewatched it, I I mean, I you were asking if if I felt like you were really missing anything. It's nowhere near as good as the first one, but a lot of people I feel like shit on Lost World more than they really should. I feel like Lost World is because people kind of lump it in with Jurassic Park three, and because they're so they're so caught up in the the, the greatness of the original Jurassic Park. I feel like the Lost World is sort of sort of become a little bit underrated. I think there are a lot of sequences and a lot of uh, things that a movie does have going for it, even though it's, you know, it's by far not, you know, far, far from being a perfect movie or even a, you know, a satisfying follow-up to the, to the first one. But I think as Jurassic Park 3 proved, they really could have done a lot worse. And I think, you know, having Jeff Goldblum back was fun. And some of the lines and some of the storylines that they picked up with were, 
you know, were a lot were a lot of fun and uh, the trailer sequence especially. Yeah, that was really well done. I just like I agree with a lot of people. I did not think the San Diego scene. They did not need a fourth act. That was a little. That's that's some people. That's most. That's the most common criticism I hear of that. I thought the movie was over. Movie, yeah. And all of a sudden we're in San Diego. It would have been. You probably would have liked the movie better if that had been the end. Yes. Yeah. Maybe because I'm like because it's like I said we were watching Godzilla except with a T Rex. Essentially, well, yeah, and they have basically it's a Godzilla because I a big dinosaur. He's a giant lizard, essentially. Yeah. Um. Yeah, because they even had that scene. They even had a little like. Like a little nod to it with the, the Asian people running away and turning like, oh, screaming. That was quite clearly a, a Godzilla kind of homage. Um, so for Jurassic World, I was already coming in like pumped to begin with and hoping it was going to be great. My expectations were probably higher than I was expecting them to be when I actually went in to see it. That's great. That's good. Well, not usually. Sometimes it's not good because sometimes I go in there and I'm like, oh, my God, this is going to be amazing. And then I come out and I'm like. It wasn't amazing. Like for example, I was so hyped about The Dark Knight that 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 I I came out disappointed the first time. And now thinking back, I'm like, the fuck's wrong with you? How could you be disappointed in that movie? But I had built it up so high that you know if the movie had if 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 Batman hadn't come out of the the screen and sucked my dick in the theater, I would have been like, what is up with this? This is not living up to it for me. Well, what I'm saying is, I think it's good that you went in and you were and you had hyped it up, but you also you left even. Feeling even more hyped up, yeah. more surprised. That's good because you didn't overhype it so much that you were pleasantly surprised by how good it was. Yeah, you can read our uh, my review on CrookedTable.com. I gave it a very very favorable review. You know, a lot of people have a lot of criticisms about it that the characters are flat and some of the subplots are you know a little cliche and all that. I agree with that to an extent, but it's also like if if you if I'm rating it as a follow up to Jurassic Park. I feel like Jurassic Park had a lot of those same issues. I feel like I feel like um, Jurassic Park has been put on this pedestal that, that people think it's untouchable. But really, a lot of the storylines and stuff that's going on in there, it's like, oh, Alan Grant doesn't like kids. And he's just hanging out with these kids. He starts to appreciate children, I guess. It's like, how is that much different than Bryce Dallas Howard's storyline in, in Jurassic World? You know what and I mean? at least those were her nephews. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, I mean, I agree that... Jurassic Park is a far better movie, don't get me wrong, and I think that the characters in that are more indelible than the ones in Jurassic World. But it's also Jurassic World has like has had like three or four days to mature. Jurassic Park has had twenty two years, so it's And we not saw really it on fair. the twenty two sec the twenty second anniversary. Yeah. We saw it on June eleventh, with nineteen ninety three. June eleventh was the date it came out. So we get to say that for the rest of our lives. Why, don't, why am I getting the feeling that your excitement is, is fake a little? It's a little bit of both. It's excitement and it's sarcasm. That's me. Well, no, because we're not going to talk about this the rest of our lives. And we saw Jurassic World on the 22nd anniversary of its no, release. No, no, but see, December 18th, I'll be saying, I saw Drew, I saw Star Wars Episode Seven: The Force Awakens, in theaters on opening day, or midnight screening. I might go to the midnight screening and then bring you a second day. What about, wouldn't they have like an 8 o'clock screening? Yeah, probably. World. Jeez, you gotta ruin it. They don't do. I don't think they do night screenings as much anymore. It's like, yeah, we're gonna get people in the door the it night de- before. It depends on the movie. Sometimes they do. And some, it depends on the movie and the theater. I think. I think that night when we went to see Jurassic World, I'm pretty sure they also had like an eight, a seven, an eight, a nine, a ten, and like eleven or something. Well, right. What I'm saying is though that it's not really. It's not the beginning of it. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, five years ago, they you know it was a midnight screening. That was the first premiere of a film. Of a new film, and now it's like, yeah, the first premiere 
me at seven o'clock. Well, it's because they want because they want to boost their box office numbers for opening That's weekend. About money. And Thursday Thursday night sh- uh, ticket sales count towards that weekend now. So it's more chance for them. It's not another chance for them to boost their numbers. They're like, uh oh, we broke the record. I'm like, well, yeah. Now you guys are all opening on Thursdays. Of course you broke. Well, the yeah. Record. So so Jurassic World made five hundred million dollars globally. Globally. Well, I'm sure that those Thursday night numbers really helped with that. Well, yeah, know? I'm sure they did. So maybe if you like take that in thirds, then maybe they only I mean not made, thirds. I'm sure. I mean, I, only, like, they, I think they made like five. they made like twenty million Thursday night, just like those like few screenings or whatever. <laughs> I'd take twenty million. Right That's now. pretty good. Pretty good. I'll take it. That's pretty good. So, so I already sort of touched on my feelings about Jurassic World. What did you, you know, how did you react to the movie? How did it compare for you coming in as someone who like was familiar with the original film, but not necessarily putting it on a pedestal like the rest of us? How did it compare to that? What did you honestly? What did you like better? And uh, you know, what? How do you think it compares in general? I guess. I think I think it was really good. I mean, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, I thought it was going to be like, okay, it's okay. But, you know, it's fun. But it was really good, and it had a lot of action, and some scenes made me jump a little bit, and some scenes made me cheer in my head. I don't cheer out loud. And and I, I was, I really liked it, and I think I actually like it better than the first one. But I say this, but I, I may change my mind later, especially if me and you continue talking about it. I may be like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, yeah. he's a movie, he's a movie buff guy, and I'm. You just live here. Yeah, just I just live here. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that third act, I don't want to get into sport. We'll just keep it spoiler free. Um, but that third act, like that climax, the climactic battle, a showdown that goes down. Oh my god, so awesome! Movie moment of the year so far for me, like topping anything that I've seen in in Mad Max or, you know, Avengers Age of Ultron or any of that. That that was like the, the cheer out loud moment of, of uh, 2015 as far as movie going for me. Yeah, no, that was And people, that was pretty people cool. were like roaring with cheers. You, how often have you seen something like that where people are like, woo, like literally like out loud cheering and clapping and everything. Not very often. And but, I like and I like who they made the heroes. Yes. Yeah. We'll let, we'll let that stand. So people, because it's still very fresh. Yeah. People might not have seen the movie. So, um, so yeah, go see it if you haven't seen it. We're we're very enthusiastic about it. And uh, and Chris Pratt did a great job. Despite despite you know whatever character flaws and whatever like thing, the movie that people have have criticized a lot. And again, not to get into spoilers, but I think the subplot that's taking the most heat is probably the Vincent D'Onofrio one, which we won't get into that too much. But it involves the Raptors. And like what his what his intention is involved in the film, that kind of thing. A lot of people are like, really? Come on! But I don't know. To me, it's like, yeah, it's sort of silly and it's a little out there. But isn't this whole premise of this whole movie kind of out there to begin with? You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I mean, I think I so I didn't it I it it did sort of hit me initially. Like, that's what we're doing, really? And then, but as it went on, I was like, all right, you know what? Fuck it. I'll let it go. I'll, I'll let you guys slide. I get it. You know, plus I plus I cut this one, this movie, this particular film, even more slack than I would normally, just because it has been so long for this to, for this franchise to come back, and because they did do so many things right, and and uh, sort of had a lot of references and homages to the original film without copying it and sort of bringing it into a modern era and pushing the story forward, because really it's the first one that I think to really push the for- story forward since the first one. I mean, the second and third were sort of random tangents. 
that didn't really develop anything in any of the themes that were initially established. So and they weren't in the canon. I mean, they're I guess I think they're sort of they're they're technically still in in canon, but I think you know I think it was wise for the director Colin Trevorrow to kind of overlook those movies because they they get more of a mixed response and sort of have him be like, hey, you guys love Jurassic Park, right? Well, we're gonna kind of bring it back and do our own thing in the spirit of that film. And I think this really caught that. Like I, I felt, and I, and I felt a similar sort of rush as the film was going on as I did with that first one in theater. So. Well, one thing I want to want to ask you about, because they did this in both The Lost World and they said this in Jurassic World, what do you think of when the the scientists who create the dinosaurs say that the dinosaurs belong to them, so they're able to... That they're property and yes. that they're not alive. Right, because you have those other, you know, you have the the, the paleontologists and the archaeologists, all the, all the dinosaur people that... That say you can't. <laughs> dinosaur people. You know those dinosaur people. And, well, there's a, there's, they all have. There's a, there was a botanist in the first one. Paleobotanist. Paleo, right. Ellie exactly. Stadler, yeah, yeah. Right. Origin so character. they say dinosaur fossil things. Anyway, um, and so they're saying don't don't mess with the dinosaurs. Like, who are you to to try to do you know um hurt them or take them away from the right? You know, who, who's to say you could do that? Like, we can do that because they're yeah they're our property. They would not be here if it wasn't for us. Right. What do you think about that? Well, I think the whole thing, I think this is the fact that they're creating living things inherently touches on the classic sci-fi theme of playing God. And I feel like, you know, I mean, if it opens up the doors to a much more controversial debate. I mean, then, then it starts to be like, okay, well, there wasn't, this child wasn't here. I made this child, so I own this child. I'm like, really? Do you though? Because he's alive and he's sentient and he's aware of what's going on. He can feel pain and all that. So I feel like just the fact that they genetically engineer these dinosaurs doesn't mean, doesn't take away the fact that they are alive now and that they're aware of things and they have hearts that beat and all that. So I mean. When people genetically modify pets, they genetically yeah. modify um, pigs, cats, dogs. Right. You know, so, but people wouldn't say, oh, this is a genetically modified dog that wouldn't, this species would not, this breed would not exist if it wasn't for you know, scientists getting involved. Which is true, but that doesn't take away the fact that you can just do whatever the hell you want without a creature afterwards. Exactly. Um, and there's a really interesting, like, I'm, just to go ahead and comment real fast, too, the uh, the whole thing with Chris Pratt and the Raptors and his, like, his relationship with them and training them and that kind of thing, I also thought that was going to be goofy as shit in, in the movie, but it actually worked for the most part, like, throughout. And I thought it was an interesting, because, like, again, you want to, have some of the similar themes from the first movie, but actually do something new and different and have a kind of a different spin on them. And I felt like that, like that did a good job of that. Yeah, no, I like that. It was a really endearing, during um, part in the movie. And, and I believe Chris Pratt could be a raptor trainer. What exactly did he do in the movie though? Like what was, was he just the dinosaur trainer? He was the, yeah, he was sort of like the, the raptor wrangler or whatever. Like that was just to keep them under control. Because, I mean, as you saw in the, in the original movie, raptors like to act a fool, basically. They do. So. Like to eat a fool, too. <laughs> that, too. But actually, Jurassic World is a is a good jumping off point, because, you know, feels like every week we're getting another, you know, reboot. I mean, Freddie and I touched, touched on that last episode. Reboot, remake, sequel of something from 20 years ago, Jurassic Park, for example. 
or Jurassic World, as the case is now. Um, so, you know, what do you think is, is up with this whole, this whole nostalgia trend that we have going on? And, is, and do you think maybe, in a lot of ways, to me at least, it feels like 2015 is sort of the, the year, like the year of nostalgia and like the tipping point for that kind of entertainment. Why do, why do you think that we're seeing so much more of that? I don't know. I think that, I mean, I know for me, I, I have a lot of memories and a lot of experiences when I was a child. And I think that there, we're just in this phase right now of just wanting to be nostalgic. I mean, go, go on a website like BuzzFeed and they're all about nostalgia, you know? Yeah, that's uh, another, the websites are another, the internet is a, is a big perpetuator of the whole nostalgia thing. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. So it's, it's, you know, it's like that college humor joke that says, remember when nostalgia was fun? When you actually had to think about your, you know, that's the, the college humor video we talk about. I yes, feel like I, it's so, it's I think so I mentioned relevant. college humor on the last podcast, and I don't know if I referenced that particular video, but I wouldn't be surprised if I did. Yes, because it's so relevant. Because it's like before, you know, you had to think, oh gosh, remember back in the eighties when we used to wear jumpers? And I mean, we can even have a whole podcast about clothing coming oh, back. Mm, like, that's that's my own podcast. I would have. <laughs> I don't know what you would have. You know, the thing about the 80s, and they had jumpers and rompers, and, you know, now you're in, you know, the 21st century, and rompers are coming back. Right. And, but now they're more modernized, and it just, it's just like we can't get enough of what we used to like. And maybe it's also a way of, of trying to get not just a new audience, like the young audience, which is ultimately, they're the ones that are paying for the movie tickets, they're the ones that are paying for albums. The ones with disposable income. The ones with disposable income, more time. But it's also trying to wrangle in, you know, the thirty-somethings that that remember this and get their get their dollars too. And 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 it's it's I think it's also in the whole time of the age of franchises as well. You know, there's just there's franchise after franchise after franchise that, as you remind me, will never end because it's money. Well, what did we just say? Star Wars has been here for what forty something, almost fifty years, and uh, James Bond over sixty. So I mean, franchises are nothing new, but I feel like. Now it's a so much of hey, remember this thing? We're gonna bring it back for you, and then they and then you can like you only hope it's gonna be good. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look the Ninja Turtles they just brought back, and I actually I actually was that was a guilty pleasure of mine. I know Freddie and I really disagreed about that one, but um, I mean like look at the new Star Wars trailers with the Han Solo and Chewbacca cameo at the end. It's like they're basically banking on the fact that fans are watching that and. Being like, you know, reacting like, holy shit, holy Han Solo on the big screen again. I got to see this. And then I was mentioning, you know, earlier today, um, a new TV spot for Pixels came out, which I actually wrote up, wrote up for Screen Rant. And there's so many shots in there of Pac-Man, Donkey Kong, you know, uh, Space Invaders, I think, and Paperboy for the first time was in this one. It's and 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 every time I see one of those characters, I remember playing the game as a kid, and I'm like, oh my god, Paperboy's in this! Holy crap, I gotta see that. Yeah, and I think that a movie like that, that is straight on nostalgia because a, you know a teenager is gonna watch and be like, who the hell is Donkey Kong? I mean, I guess well, they would know Donkey Kong, me they might know, you, but no, they would not know Paperboy. No, they would not. They might not even know Cubert. Right. Honestly. Yeah, and Pac-Man has games like in the arcade, but I feel like it's a lot of times people our age were playing Pac-Man, so. I feel like the teenagers are more like, what? Who who are all these characters? Like, it's not really for them. Right. I think it's more for us. At least with Wreck-It Ralph, which was similar, like, a lot of video game characters, I feel like they were more modern ones. Like, you had, like, you know, some of the characters from Mario and Sonic. 
those those characters actually are still relevant. Like they still have games coming out all the time. So that makes a little more sense. It's a little more accessible to kids. But yeah, Pixels is totally banking on on uh, drawing in the 30, 40 somethings that are like, oh my god, I remember playing that when I was a kid. And also with Adam Sandler. Get do bring the I kids mean, in there. That that brings the kids in though too. Right, because, but Adam Sandler was the guy that was in Billy Billy Madison and Happy Gilmore when we were kids. Right. But Adam Sandler's kind of like the comedian. But he also has, movie. but he also has just as many hits in the last. Well, I mean, not as as many hits, Another but he's also got. Watching. But he's also got the Grown Ups movies. Those are big hits, and those were just a few years ago. But so that, but see, Grown Ups, I feel like is a lot about nostalgia too, because those are True. those are adults with kids, their wives, and it's about them wanting to have a good time, even though they're older. And most of them are the the you know former SNL cast members: Adam Sandler, Chris Rock. David Spade, Rob Schneider, and then I think Kevin James is the only odd, like the odd man out there, but because you know neither one of us, I don't, I haven't seen either. Have you ever seen those movies? I've seen the first one, okay. and actually it was fun. I mean, but that's really. I heard the second one is is, is terrible. So if, if the first one's supposed to be terrible, and the second one is even more terrible, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna stay away. But who's to say Adam Sandler really cares that much about his? Oh, he doesn't. Have you seen any of his yeah. movies? He just picks. He's like, he literally. I think I said this once before, either to you or, or on the podcast or something. But he literally saw the script from Blended and said in interviews that he wanted to do the movie because he gets he got to basically got to go to Africa for free. That it has nothing. If you seen that movie, there's no reason he was possibly reading that being, you know, reacting like, oh my god, this is a great story. I'd love to tell this. This has never been brought to screen before. I'm like, yeah, I'm pretty sure there's nothing new in that movie. Well, it's also and, we, and, I see, and I have seen it. dollars a picture. You think he could afford to take himself to Africa one of these years? Yeah, have... but why? Why do that when you want? You know, when the studio pay you to go and right. provide you lodging and all that shit. Right. All expenses paid, just so you could show up and yell some ridiculous lines at Drew Barrymore's direction. True. True. But yeah, so Pixels, I really feel like is nostalgic, and so Terminator Genesis is coming out in a couple weeks, and I. I feel like Terminator Genesis is between the line of reboot and nostalgic. Like well, they so want a new so audience. So Jurassic World to a certain extent. Too. Right, exactly. Yeah. So it's like a reboot, but it's really, but it wants to tap into the the, the market that really remembers those movies, and and which is an, which is genius. It's a genius marketing ploy because you're getting that much more revenue, right. and profit because you have people, you have the you know the 30, 40 something, they're like, oh my god. I'm so excited, and then you have a young people who are like, "Oh, cool dinosaurs!" Yeah, exactly. Cool I mean, action! What the hell? Chris, Chris Pratt from Guardians of the Galaxy. Right. That's that's why it was so smart that they got him, because all you needed was him on a poster with a bunch of raptors, and all the kids were like, "Holy crap! Star Lord is racing down with raptors!" I got to see that. Right. Exactly. So they're able, you know, so Jurassic World is able to do so well, also for that reason, because it has two separate demographics. Right. And you know, maybe Pixel might only get. The, you know, the it depends. It, it'll be. I'm really interested to see one, if that movie's going to be any good, and two, how well it performs at the box office. Because I think in a lot of ways, that's that's one of the biggest question marks for the summer. I mean, I think we all know that Minions is going to like kill it, and uh, you know, and stuff like Ant Man is. I think Ant Man's going to do well. I don't think it's going to like do Guardians of the Galaxy numbers, but I think it's going to do well. But like a lot of the movies coming out, we can sort of be like, oh, that'll probably be big. That we don't know. We'll see. But I think Pixels is probably one of the big question marks. But, I mean, for me, as far as the nostalgia and why I think it's happening, I mean, obviously, I think part of it is, you know, laziness in Hollywood. I think it's easier for them to be like, we own this property, dust it off, and, like, who could we get that's yeah. a hot name in this to kind Lots of take of on this role? That's part of it. 
but then you know some of those have been been done in very creative ways. Mad Max, for example, is another one of those reboot slash sequels. Um, Jurassic World, we already mentioned. Like a lot of them are um, being done well, which makes you know which which makes me happy about that. Um, but I think I mean I think that's definitely part of it. I think another part of I wonder if to on a broader scale the whole nostalgia obsession that's going on not only with movies but with television shows with things like x-files and heroes coming back fuller house the new full house version or a sequel series that's coming out uh i feel like i wonder if some of that has to do with like a few years ago when the recession hit and like everything is getting like everything is more is so much bleaker in uh in the news in the media like it just feel like because we have so much more information available to us like the last few years i feel like it's a lot of like we're bombarded with bad news and, and the celebrity thing is getting ridiculous. So I wonder like some of us that are rebelling against, you know, the, the next generation coming in with all their, with their Kardashians and, and, you know, the housewives and all that bullshit. I, I wonder if it's, if it's sort of, sort of uh, us, our generation sort of rebelling against the, in the next wave of, of, uh, of kids coming in. And and kind of looking back and be like, oh man, remember when things were awesome? That kind of thing. Plus, plus, like I said, and like Tomorrowland touched on the whole bleakness of post-apocalyptic media and like how there's global warming and there's all these disasters happening and all these like you know things like that. I wonder if that also plays a part in us sort of being like looking towards better days in the past and wanting to relive those through Jurassic Park, Terminator, whatever different Star Wars, different things like that. That's a really interesting angle, and I didn't really think about that. I mean, definitely thought about the lazy. Portion well, yeah, of it. I mean that that one's kind I mean, of well, that one's lazy. But that's always a so, give. That's a given. That's yeah. why we had lethal weapon one, two, three, four. And that's also why it's just it's you know going back to fashion because I feel like movies and fashion go back to they go they time travel. Well, they're yeah they're they're cyclical too. Like yeah. they're constantly like yeah. yeah. They get lazy. With the fashion like design. slasher movies. Slasher movies were huge in the seventies, and then not so much, and then the nineties again. Slasher movies were all over the place. Just like you, you said apparently Ron. Like they're coming back again. Yeah, maybe they're on their way back. Well, we went through our whole paranormal activity. We're still in that whole like supernatural, creepy thing with the uh, the purge, not the purge, um, with Insidious and paranormal activity. Is still about two is gonna have a sequel. Which one? Sinister's having a sequel. Oh yeah, Sinister sequel coming out. Um, but like you were saying, like the Romper earlier, like I guess that was big in the. I don't. I'm a man, so I didn't give a shit about like ladies' fashion in the '90s. But apparently, those are big in the '90s. So I guess that's a good example of fashion coming back around. Right, but then they just look better. I would even as a kid, I'm like, I wouldn't wear a romper or a jumper, and I'm like, that romper's cute. I can pull <laughs> it off. So it's and, and of course the, another thing is your taste change. So when but you're a kid, Jurassic Park might not be as interesting to you, but when you're like, and actually, oh really? Remember when Jurassic Park might not be interesting to you. Remember watching Jurassic Park recently, and and I you even said, wow. We're talking about some deep stuff here. I yeah. forgot about that. Yeah, that movie's that movie's got a lot of like. There's some great conversational scenes in there, in that yeah. film, talking about the theme and stuff. So I think that when you're a kid and you're seeing, you know, movies like that, TV shows like that, and you're just not understanding the high concept, and then when you get older and you watch it again, you watch, you know, the, the original, and then you watch the reboot or the nostalgic one, whatever it may be, you're like, oh wow, like that's so deep. Like I didn't, I didn't see that before. Right. You know, so like, cause I like, I would ask as if I'd asked a question when I was a kid about the whole in- extinct property question I asked about the dinosaurs. So I think it's that the other thing. It's just, 
you get it you get it more when you're older. Right. So but what about the movies that are coming that are really just like it's straight on like goosebumps. Oh, I want to see that just because I read all the well, not all, but I read a lot of the. I I had probably thirty something of the books. I think I still have them in the cabinet over there. Um, so I mean, I I don't even know much about that except that it has a bunch of the creatures from the from the books and Jack Black. So I'm already on board just for just based on that. Right, and I'm like really surprised that they're okay. I'm not really surprised at this point, but it's just that they are just gonna have a Goosebumps movie because this is like twenty years in the making now. I mean, those those books came out in the early the mid nineties, so you know they I'm just a they should have done a movie a long time ago. But well, well they had the TV show. Did you ever watch the show? Um, it was I on did a little bit. Fox was it on? I don't yeah, remember. Yeah, it was on Fox. Also, I think that was during the same time as like Eerie. I didn't yeah. watch that. I've heard of that, but I, yeah, I never looked at that. So Goosebumps. So that's definitely. So that's you know for the for the older audience like ourselves, and then for you know for the young kids that are like, oh, that looks fun, and you know, so like kind of as a scary movie. But for kids, with, yeah. Yeah, that they could see with their. With their parents or their friends. There was a lot of those when we were kids, like Hocus Pocus. I mean, you didn't you haven't seen that. That's on your. Scary. I mean, it's spooky. It has witches and stuff. I mean, it's and it's for the whole family. There weren't very. There haven't been very many like Halloween themed films for families lately, have there? No. I feel like Paranorman and Frankenweenie were like the most recent examples. Oh, what about Transylvania? Oh, I guess, but those those are Adam Sandler, so you heard you know how I feel about that. Oh, right. True. Well, also, Jim and the Holograms is going to be a movie, and as I watched, me and my sister watched Jim and the Holograms when I was six years old, and it came on every Saturday morning, and we'd ask my dad to turn on the television for us, because he had a television that the knob didn't, didn't work very well, so he had to turn it on for us, and we'd watch Jim and the Holograms, so I'm excited about that, just because, Have you well, seen the trailer? No. Yeah, do you want to be depressed? I'll show you the trailer. Well, maybe you did show me. I don't think it's I did. Live I think action, I, right? I think, yeah, I think I told you about it, and you were like, what? And I was like, well, yeah. I have no connection to that whatsoever. Like, I never watched a show. I'm, honestly, I feel like I was barely aware of the show when it was on. She was the original Hannah Montana, for those of you that don't know. Wow. Um, so, well, because so, she was a rock star, and then she had, she had a secret life. life yeah. yeah. She had a, uh, what was it, an earring that had, was like, powers or she talked yeah. about something? I don't even know. Yeah. It's weird. What else you got? Well, you know, Transporter's coming out, but that's, that's, that might be more like a reboot. Than a that movie. is a reboot, yeah. That was like 10 years ago. It's not like that old of a story. And it's a, you know, it is. And it's not really cashing in on nostalgia as much. It's just like, here's a, here's the same thing, but with a different guy. Which, by the way, just to touch on that real fast, Jason Statham is the Transporter. You don't do that. You, and he's not even playing a different character, this new guy, whose name I don't remember because I don't care. This guy's not even playing a new character. He's playing Frank Martin, the same character that Jason Statham plays. That's in my mind. That's like getting someone else to. That's like that. You can't do that. That's like doing a Terminator movie with the same with like somebody else in the same Arnold part. If you're but, gonna do that, do a different part. But different why actor is it okay maybe. though to play have a different actor play James James Bond? Because Sean Connery was the original James Bond. A lot of people said that. From what I remember hearing, he right. said, "How could you replace John Connery with someone else?" But he also was doing it for a long time. I mean, Jason Statham is still around doing stuff. He could do that if they wanted him. But I think they're just like, I think they just want someone who's cheaper, honestly, who they will take a smaller paycheck and they can make more movies with him. I think Jason Statham's above their their level now because he's basically one of the top action stars now today. So it's pretty much him and Dwayne Johnson. I would say that. You put them in an action movie, you're gonna get at least some amount of money on it. 
Yeah, no, no, that's a, that's a good point. So, yeah, it's a transported more of a reboot. So, what about Fantastic Four? I feel like that's a reboot. That's a reboot, and it's also a, a, a franchise that's been around forever. And I don't, and it's not catching on nostalgia because it's totally fresh. What about Vacation? That's that's a reboot because not only is but that's nostalgic though. It's nostal it's a nostalgic one though, but it's a reboot, but it's a sequel also, and it and it's real referencing. We should have a, we should have like a, a name for this. If it's a reboot. it's a hybrid one. Yeah. Well. Like like we'll have, we'll have to think about it. Like Jurassic World is a hybrid. Like like the Indominus Rex is a hybrid. Right. This could be an Indominus Rex one. We'll have to come up with a, a, a shortened version of that. But no, Vacation definitely cashes in on nostalgia because it's the same fucking plot as the first movie. One of the Griswolds is taking his family to Wally World and like to sort of reconnect. Exactly the same story. Sounds like Fuller House, except on... Sort of, yeah, basically. It's a big screen. Yeah, exactly. And supposedly Chevy... I know Chevy Chase is in it because I've seen him in the trailers. But I don't... It's supposedly... It's for him since he hasn't done anything. Well, he's been, he's been a community for Oh, years. that's right. Um, I don't watch TV, remember? That's true. I don't either, but I read about it. Um, and I think Beverly Beverly DeAngelis was to be in it with him, so um, so they're acknowledging those old movies, which which is a which is smart because it's allowing them to acknowledge to to please fans of the original film by being like, hey, remember these guys? They're still around, and now let's get started with a new generation of Griswolds, with because they basically have Ed Helms playing the son Rusty in that one, so that looks interesting. I I don't this movie was this movie was thirty years ago. Early 80s, right? Yeah. 81 or something? Yeah. yeah. That movie's older than us. Yeah, around there. That's crazy. And I now they're like, all right, we want to get in on this nostalgic reboot. It actually does look crazy. I mean, I, I like the vacation, all right, but I was never huge. I was never I was never a huge fan of it, uh, of any of them, really. And I've seen, because I've seen all four, uh, probably a couple times each. And, uh, that was a weird sound I made. And I, um, yeah, I don't know. It's. I don't have any attachment to the franchise per se. Some people love it, though. Yeah, some people do love it, especially the Christmas one. I feel like is mm -hmm. possibly the most beloved. Um, but I, I mean, it looks funny to me. I like Ed Helms and Christina Applegate. And I Chris, love Chris Hemsworth. Chris, did you have you seen the trailer? You only saw no, a picture. No, I think I just saw a picture. I should show of you Chris the trailer. Like, oh, Chris Hemsworth. I should show you the trailer because he does something really interesting in it. Where you're like, what the fuck? This guy, this is Thor, and he's being all silly. Doesn't he have a fake? No, it's not supposed to be fake in the movie. That's what I'm saying. Oh. <laughs> exactly. Um. So no. So I'm looking forward to that. That should be. Uh, that should be fun. I hope. I hope it is. And for the sake of fans out there, you know, I think. Uh, I think it has a good chance at least to not suck. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Well, the um the last the last um nostalgic thing I that's coming out is just to touch on briefly is Point Break. We actually Rob and I actually saw this movie together recently, maybe a couple months ago. Uh, this was a movie that I watched a lot as a kid because my dad was a surfer and like he'd always want to watch Point Break and I'm like oh my god this movie's so stupid. But then when I when we just watched it, being older, I'm like oh wow I guess I totally not realize that all this stuff happened. Um so yeah they're bringing that one back so that should be interesting. That has a lot of people pissed off because that's a cult classic and a lot of people hold that up as one of the best action movies in the nineties. Believe yeah. it or not. And you know with Patrick Swayze no longer being with us and. You know, it's it's in a, in a way kind of disrespectful because, you know, he he was he was he was I don't, I'm trying to I'm trying to do my words, but he was a cool guy. He was a cool guy, and um, 
no, Point Break, and he like owned the nineties, you know. He, like, he didn't he like Ghosts and Point Break. In the in the late eighties, early nineties, really. Yeah. Because in the late eighties, he had Roadhouse and Dirty Dancing. Right, right, yeah. So that, that there was like a five year period. He yeah. was just. I don't know when Roadhouse was. I think we looked it up. Was it like 86 or something like that? Yeah, it was definitely. And then Dirty Dancing was like 87, and then like Ghost was 90, and the other one was like 91, mm-hmm. 92, something like that. Right. Yeah. So. so he owns it. So I feel like just in regards to Patrick Swayze's memory, why do we have to do a reboot? And especially Keanu Reeves. I mean. He's still around. He's doing John. He's doing John. He's Utah. He's going to be in John Wick sequel. Oh, yeah. Sequel that. He's so he's got a new franchise. John. Yeah. I like that movie a lot, actually, John Wick. And, and that proves that Keanu Reeves can still kick out. Uh, but did you hear Lori Petty came out about Point Break and she's kind of pissed about it? She's like, do the mom watch the trailer? She doesn't care. She's like, she's like, how can you top that? That's, that's just stupid. Well, if it's a good movie, then... Because that was Catherine Bigelow directed that, the original. The, the Hurt Locker. Locker. Yeah. I always think of her as the Hurt Locker. So she must have, she must have been really new to, to the movie business. Oh, with Point Break? Yeah. Yeah, probably. And actually, I'm really impressed that that was a woman. Yeah, it's a very male-centric film. Yeah. Term. But surfers are kind of sensitive in general. I, yeah, I guess. But, I mean, it's, so, you know, that's, that's, it's got all the... Was kind of, was, that movie's got all the trappings of a, of a cheesy 90s action movie. Like, I am an FBI agent. You were waiting for that part. I was. Well, that's a classic line. And even I know about that. Yeah. And I think I want to see it just because... I oh, have, man. I'll, I show, have, I'll show you. The, you stay, we'll sit oh. here for a few minutes after we're done with the podcast, and I'll show you a couple of trailers so you can you, you can see if you really are wanting to see it but or it's not. Just, you know, I just have memories of that movie. Oh, exactly. Nostalgia. That's what they're Exactly. The, I know. I'm the exact audience. This is, I can't believe I'm falling for this. Yeah, see? So so disappointed in you. Yeah. But that's a lot of the, like, the big nostalgic movies and reboots that are coming out this year. Yeah, so uh, it's interesting. I feel like, it, I mean, it's definitely been a trend that's been percolating in recent years, but it seems like this year it's really sort of coming to a head. It seems like, it feels like every week is one, like I said earlier. So, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, every time you write, for, you know, you're writing a, a movie article and you're like, oh, and this one movie's coming out, and this movie's coming out, I'm like, oh my gosh, like, it hasn't, it's only been 10 years, or wow, really? I totally forgot about that. Right, exactly. Oh, and Flower in the Attic was on Lifetime. They have a whole. Dis- what are they? I'm like they've had like four of them already. Right. Which they didn't even get that far with the initial movie. Yeah, they just did the one. We saw those. We saw yeah, that was that was rough. Yeah. So I mean, everybody's getting getting in on this. Very true. So uh, I think we'll go ahead and wrap it up now. Okay. Um. Um. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter. You can reach me at at Crooked Table. And you can reach me at at the Vault Key LLC on Twitter. Of course, you can read all our, you know, reviews, features, etc. You can check out my YouTube videos. Oh, or you can interrupt me. <laughs> <laughs> you can find all our features, reviews, and at crookedtable.com. And you can find my blog features on the Vault www.thevaultkey.com. You can also find my YouTube videos on the Vault Key TV on YouTube. There you have it. So, sorry for interrupting. Yeah, that and, was rude. and you just did it again. You interrupted to say sorry for interrupting. Of course I did. I can always count on you. So uh, thanks a lot, guys, and uh, we'll catch you next time. Roll credits. We're back with the encore segment. How's it going?
So, of course, as you guys know, this is the seg- section of the podcast where we talk about something new that we've discovered or whatever, and we bring it to you guys just to share something cool that we've found out about uh, you know, recently since the last episode. So, Kai, did you want to go first? Go ahead. Sure, I'll go first. And um, one thing I wanted to talk about that I really enjoy is Hootsuite. And this is something that I've been doing for the last six months, and it's something that I do specifically for my business even though, you know, you can use it in personal setting too. But what it does is it's a social media site that streams from all of your, from all your social media sites. So if you have a LinkedIn page, a Twitter page, a Facebook page, Pinterest, you can set all of those social media formats up on your Hootsuite and then just, and then just um, post pictures, statuses, do all of them. And you save, you can save a lot of time. And you can also schedule when posts go out. So if you know that your Twitter, let's say, is more has more going on at 12 o'clock in the afternoon on a Tuesday, they can schedule your post for 12 o'clock on a Tuesday. And or if you have a blog post that's going to go out on, you know, Wednesday Wednesday morning, then you you, know, you can schedule your blog post on Wednesday morning, and you can schedule your your promotion about your blog. Wednesday morning at the same time that's going to go live. So it's really in it works in conjunction with a lot of a lot of the sites for social media, and it's pretty incredible. And it's the membership is free, and if you want additional features, it's a premium membership. But it's just to start out with basic membership. It's great, and I use it all the time, and um, I just love how it streams so, so seamlessly through through all of my social media sites. So shout out to uh, Hootsuite. Cool. Yeah, I've uh, I've been I've been I've fallen off the Hootsuite bandwagon lately. I haven't really been doing as much social media planning as uh, as I should be, but yeah, but yeah, it's it's definitely uh, it's definitely very useful. So I'm going to be talking about something that I finally saw for the first time the other day, and that is the I think it's 1987, 86, the the late 1980s Arnold Schwarzenegger movie, The Running Man. Um, as a kid, of course, I grew up with a lot of the Arnold movies. Last Action Hero is actually, actually, believe it or not, Last Action Hero is one of my, is one of my more more nostalgic. Speaking of nostalgia, uh, more nostalgic uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger movies, even though I know a lot of people hate it. Um, but of course, I grew up with Terminator, both of them, and um, you know, Commando and Predator and a lot of these other movies. But The Running Man was actually my most, and I've said this on Twitter my most egregious blind spot as far as Arnold's career. There's still a few that I have to catch up on, uh, Raw Deal and Red Heat, some of the other lesser ones. But um, The Running Man is the one that I keep hearing the most about that I still haven't seen. And it was actually, you know, it was really good. It had a lot of flaws as, as some of the 80s action movies go. Where, you know, it was cheesy, sometimes not always in a funny way like like we come to expect from Arnold. Um, but there's there's this one great, there's a great line in there uh, where he's like, uh, I hope you left room in your stomach because I'm going to reach my fist down there and pull up your goddamn spine. And he picks up a camera and smashes it. And it's like classic Arnold, like overacting, really selling a ridiculous line. Um, but the whole, but the commentary in it, again, back to the post-apocalyptic, it's set in a future where the government is censoring everything. All the media is, is being you know regulated by the government. And so one of the ways that they keep the people under control is by like having more and more extreme forms of entertainment. And one of the most popular shows is a TV show called The Running Man, where they have convicted felons and they put them in this game zone and they have them basically run for their life 
while these have these these people called stalkers sort of hunting them down. Um, and it was very it was very Hunger Games esque, like way before the Hunger Games. And it's based on a short on a story. I don't know if it's a novel or a short story, but it's based on one by, by uh, what is it, Richard Bachman or whatever, Stephen King. Oh, oh yeah. Uh, pseudonym. Yeah. So, uh, so it's based on a Stephen King story, and uh, I thought I thought the theme it was interesting. It's always interesting when you watch some of those sci-fi movies from the '80s, and um, they resonate more today than they did then in a way. And it's set in 2017, so I'm like, wow, yeah, that's something all right. I mean, we're not like totalitarian state like that. At least not that we know of, but you know, it's it's still um, it's still interesting how closely a lot of the themes re- resemble present day, and and plus the fact that they had Richard Dawson, who's you know known for you know a lot of you know let's what is it not let's make a deal, but like some of those Family Feud, Family Feud, and a lot of those other uh, game shows uh, before our time, really. But um, he's plays the host of the game show, The Running Man, on in the movie. And has a really strong supporting role as the main villain. Um, so it was it was interesting. I'm glad I finally watched it. Um, not still not up to up there with like you know probably my favorite non Terminator sci-fi Arnold movie, which is probably Total Recall. But um, but it it was a worthy you know worthy addition to his resume. And and uh, now I really feel like I sort of have to go and nail, like nail down the rest of the, the last remaining Arnold movies that I haven't seen because there's Still a few, at least. At least you saw Twins. I did. We, we watched that recently, too. We didn't talk about that earlier. And and I'm, we have... Now I bought... There's actually... There's this, there's this uh, triple feature of Arnold comedies. I didn't even realize Ivan, Re- Ivan Reitman directed them all, but Twins, uh, Kindergarten Cop, and Junior, the latter, the last of which I haven't... I had never seen, but, you know, we'll rectify that at some point. But, you know, for eight bucks, I mean, I, I like Twins and, and Kindergarten Cop enough to, to, you know, add it to my monstrously large... DVD collection, so uh, Junior's just along for the ride, I guess. That's how Juniors can be. That's true. So, there you go. That'll be it for the Crooked Table podcast this week. I'm Rob. I'm Kai. And uh, see you guys later. Have fun. This has been a production of CrookedTable.com. All rights reserved. That's the yard of a little KED.